Welcome to the Christian Car Guy radio show, the talk show dedicated to helping Christians buy and sell cars by the book, not the blue book, not the orange book, but by God's book, the Bible. Call the Christian Car Guy with your questions, 1-866-34-TRUTH. That's 1-866-348-7884. What does being a Christian have to do with buying a car? You're about to find out. Here's your host, Robbie Dillmore. Yes, it is Memorial Day weekend, and we certainly want to honor our fallen heroes. Traditionally, here in North Carolina, we do that with some racing, namely NASCAR at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yet for Christians, the tone has changed somewhat as ESPN has openly came out against the freedom to express our faith. This morning, we have Blake Cook, the driver of the 41 car in the Nationwide Series, who has shared his testimony here with us last summer, and he also does that across the NASCAR circuit with the Finish and Winter events. And he certainly does a great job of sharing his faith on his website. Well, the great news this fall was Blake landed a big million-dollar sponsorship. Uh, It's called Rise Up and Register. It's a nonprofit organization with a mission to get NASCAR fans to register to vote. He recorded a TV ad that pointed out that in less than 50% of NASCAR fans were registered to vote, and that last year he was among them. So join him. Basically, the message of the ad was join him this year in getting registered. Obviously a big issue. You can go to his website and see the ad. It's Blake Cook, which is actually spelled K-O-C-H, so it's BlakeCook.com. It seems like a really good and appropriate message, but not according to ESPN, who pulled the ad because of religious overtones on Blake's personal website. Not in the ad, but religious overtones on Blake's personal website. Here we can take a listen to what ESPN left on Blake's phone message. political and religious overtones, which we uh, avoid by all of our standards. We, we looked at, at the website, you know, as well, at Blake's website, and, and do see the uh, religious aspects of this. So that, those are the reasons. Those were the reasons that they pulled a million-dollar sponsorship. The result, ESPN wouldn't run the ad, and Blake lost his million-dollar sponsor. Well, God has provided Blake with a couple of other smaller sponsors to help him racing. But the question this morning really is, what's next for Blake? What's next for Blake Cook? And the 81 car, he's gotten, like we said, a couple of smaller sponsors. But we are going to have Blake on here in a minute to help us this morning to see, you know, how is he dealing with that as a Christian? You know, you may have seen his interview on Fox News but we want to see it. You know, we can, and the Christian Car Guy show, obviously, with a Christian audience, we can actually talk to Blake and get an idea of how he's doing with that. We're going to have him on here in a minute. Also, this morning, we hope to sharpen your bargain jargon. Yeah, that's right. We want to sharpen your bargain jargon. Four simple ways to improve your negotiation skills. You know, I know many people hate to negotiate and, and, it's interesting, even car dealers, i found, they hate to negotiate. One time, my wife and I were on a, a cruise with a bunch of Chrysler dealers. This cruise was into Istanbul, Turkey. And we got off in Istanbul, and they had this big, what they call the Grand Bazaar. And so at the Grand Bazaar, you would think that, you know, there's pretty much a lot of negotiating going on. Well, as we're walking into the Grand Bazaar, Tammy and I are, 
all these car dealers are walking out. And they are like, you don't want to go in there. They negotiate for It's cutthroat in there. You don't want to go in there. It's, it's horrible. Well, Tammy and I, we had to laugh because we're like, you got to be kidding me. It, 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 <laughs> these are car dealers. They're afraid to negotiate. It's cutthroat. Well, we had a great time. We actually got a number of bargains. But what are you afraid of? That's, that's kind of what the question is. You know, what might you be dealing with as far as negotiations? So we have those tips. But what we really want to talk about today is what might you be afraid of? What is it that you fear and how is God working with that? We got Blake Cook on the line now. Good morning, Blake. Good to have you. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm doing great. You, you're fixing to uh, go out and qualify, I think, in Charlotte this morning, aren't you? Well, I'm actually not running this weekend, so I'm here spectating. But uh, I'm at the cup practice is going on right now, so I'm having a hard time hearing you guys. But I just appreciate you having me on your show and you know going through some some trials that we all know that we're going to go through as as believers, just trying to get back in a race car and. Uh, but it all got hands, you know? Yeah, we, t- we told the story a little bit before we got you on the phone, Blake, because I know your time's precious. But as a Christian, uh, you know, I've seen your interview on Fox News. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have of what actually happened is you lost his sponsorship. I would suppose it's the reason that you're not able to race today is that sponsorship. Yeah, I'm sure that has something to do with it, you know? <laughs> um, I... I I find it interesting that the message that you were highlighting out there that over 50% of NASCAR fans weren't registered to vote, I think that they got an unbelievable amount of free publicity thanks to ESPN on the fact that that this was going on. Don't you think that it's interesting how the message has gotten promoted somewhat for free now based on the platform they gave you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is free publicity, but Verizon and Register is not looking for publicity to to bring focus on them. They're just wanting people to, to get registered and vote. So hopefully all that publicity did encourage people to go out there and get registered to vote this coming election. That's really all I care about. And, um, you know, I really don't I – mean, it happened a couple of months ago. The, the uh, you know, I'm, I'm not against CSPN. I don't hold a grudge. I mean, I let go. I mean, obviously it all happens for a reason. And, and, um, you know, they made a decision that obviously they they thought was the right decision, but, you know, a lot of us don't think it was. But I'm such a non-controversial person that I wasn't really comfortable and still not really comfortable talking about all the stuff that went on because it's just kind of like me and I like the two things I like to do. I like to share my Christian testimony in front of people who are willing to listen. I love the race cars. All the other stuff's not really for me. <laughs> I understand. I, I do find it fascinating, though, because as, 
as a lot of us Christians, as we hear what's going on, and we see this, the, the, the temptation is, wow, I guess my vote's more important than I thought, um, because we do need to let our voices be heard on certain, on where we, we feel about certain things. But therein lies the beauty of your testimony, Blake, is as you're walking with God now through this stage of finding new sponsors and and getting able to, to be able to race again, can you uh, share with our listeners how they might could pray for you along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, I mean, there's plenty of ways you can pray for me. Obviously, just strength to to keep my faith strong and know that God's in control. And, and also that, you know, uh, uh, the right sponsor comes on board and teams up with me and gets me back in a race car out there and competes every weekend. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely weird sitting here at Charlie watching practice and not being in the car off the track. It's, you know, it's something that it's definitely hard to get used to. But I'm going to work really hard to get back out there and see prayers for somebody to team up with me, a big sponsor, and, and get back racing, man, so I can utilize my platform to spread the message of Christ. That's so wonderful. And you guys do such a cool thing with that Finish a Winner events. If you're not familiar with it, go to finishawinner.com or go to christiancarguy.com and find out about Finish a Winner. Blake and several other drivers, they give their testimony at these events around the racetracks and then encourage people to go out and share their faith at the racetrack right blake yeah that's right man that's what we're we're here for you know you can't have a successful weekend uh a successful weekend every week here on the track but when you're sharing the good news of christ it makes that weekend successful so that's why we're in it that's what we're all about and we're going to keep on doing it god bless you blake and thank you so much for your time this morning we really really appreciate it Thanks yeah, for man, the update. Thanks for having me on. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at Blake Cook Racing. Awesome. Thank you, man. Blake Cook, that's spelled K-O-C-H. It's a little different than you might hear it. It's taken me a while because you know how I am with names. But anyway, what an awesome guest he is. But again, the show today, we are wondering, what fear is it that you might have had to overcome, like the fear of negotiation? We're going to talk about that fear, but... In my own life, here I am. I'm, and if you've never met me, I'm six foot five inches tall. I normally weigh in around 230 pounds. I'm a pretty big guy. But what you may not know about Robbie Dillmore is I was terribly afraid of the dark. I used to have to get my wife up to go, you know, hear those noises and stuff. So what happened to Robbie? How did he get rid of that fear? How can you get rid of the fear of negotiation? We got a lot more coming up. Mike Westwood is in San Antonio. Ford's going to call in at the bottom of the hour with some updates. We got a lot of shows. Stay tuned, man. You're going to find out about Fear of the Dark. Sharpening your bargain jargon. (laughs) Does that seem like Mission Impossible to you, a lot of folks? do not like the negotiation process. And, and, and obviously, in, in a lot of cases, there's fear involved. I don't like getting involved with things I don't know about. A lot of folks don't. And so part of the show today is, and in fact, our appraisal by The Real Black Book, is, you know, how does my, fav- my favorite Bible verse, which is 1 John 4, 18, how does, it, how does it work out practically? Which it says, that Bible verse says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves fear involves torment, torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So, how does that apply practically? 
That's the question. Of course, we're going to give you the sharpening your bargain jargon, but what good does it do if it's something that you don't really want to get involved in, something that you feel like, wow, it's crooked, or there's something behind that? You know, what's going on with that? Now, as I said, there's one of those fears that I can give you an example of how God personally works through 1 John 4.18. I was one of those people who was afraid of the dark. (laughs) And when we moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina in 1993, we had a particularly creepy house. I'm just saying, you know, it was one of those that when it got dark at night, it was creepy. It was an older house and it creaked and there was all sorts of stuff. And one night, as it were, my family was out of town. You can imagine it's thundering, it's lightning. You got the whole picture. And Robbie's by himself in this very creepy house. And I was a baby Christian. I'd just come to Christ within about a year of this time. And I was like, Lord, I'm scared to death. I know that I'm somehow or another I've heard in, in the Christian life that you're supposed to somehow or another give you these fears. And I'm just telling you, I can't deal with this fear anymore. I need to give it to you. How in the world can I give you this fear? And... Uh, I just couldn't get rid of it. I said, Lord, I just know this is wrong. I know it's sin. you got to help me. How do I put this at your feet? Is there some way to magically make all that happen? And the Lord says to me, well, Robbie, what's the worst thing that could happen? Now, I get to share the end of that story in our appraisal by the Real Black Book coming up at the end of the show, but my question to you this morning, you the listener, is, and our listeners always make the show, is what kind of fear did you have in your life that... God used this verse and applied it so that you were able to overcome it and that you're able to get out there and not be under fear. You could take the mask off, take off the fig leaf, so to speak, and go be the person God meant you to be. You think that's possible? Do you think that happened for Robbie and his fear in the dark? We are sharing our show this morning with Mike Westwood. He's our Christian oil guy. He's down in San Antonio. Mike, welcome to the Christian Car Guy show this morning. Good morning. That bl- I would like Go ahead. Just segue just a little bit and thank all those veterans out there today on this Memorial Day weekend. Absolutely. And ask, ask those out there, our listeners, if they see a vet, thank him. Place a flower or flag on a vet's grave this weekend. For without them, we wouldn't have this freedom to talk about our religion like we do today. Thank you for the show, Robbie. Oh, yeah. In that, in that uh, opportunity we really do have on Memorial Day, in many Memorial Day shows, I've had just concentrated on this issue, but there's so much other stuff going on this weekend. I wanted to get the Blake Cook story told. But also, I, I, I think there's a lot of us that live in, in fear that we don't necessarily need to in so many different ways. Did you have a story like that in your life, Mike? Well, uh, you know, I grew up in a very strong household with my father, who was a strong decision maker. So I had fear... <laughs> somewhat of making my own decisions, and the military was wonderful with that, and Christian being led to Christ was just amplification gave me the strength to go out and be me, and I was led through that by a Catholic priest early in my uh, Christianity life, while I'd gone to, I'd gone to church my whole life, uh, it was it was different. I was out there now, and uh, I was married, had young children, and I still had these fears of decision-making and doing the right thing. And 
So rather than doing the right thing, I followed others. So I was a follower. This priest, through Christ and stories that he told me, taught me to be the leader that I am today and the negotiator because uh, many times people come to me to help negotiate for them or with other parties as the disinterested party. Yeah, and that's so, a, that's also another great segue, Mike, because we do want to take talk about that sharpening your bargain jargon because a lot of folks, when they go in to buy that car, they're, they're faced with a situation, oh, my word, I'm going to have to, you know, get into this situation. And how, how do you go about that? Well, if you go to my website, I wrote an article that tried to give people some basics I think would be very helpful in understanding that what they think about negotiation may not necessarily be what it really is because we just start out by explaining the, nego- the negotiation styles. Now, what most people think the negotiation style is in a car dealership would be the competitive style. This is what you may think, which is to try to gain all that there is to gain. A- again, that's what they think car dealers are going to do. And in the case, if you ever negotiate with children, that's how they negotiate. They, you know, they want to go to bed at 1130 and, you know, they're going to work on you until <laughs> they can get all they can get. Unfortunately, a lot of us, uh, as we become more worried about this particular type of negotiation, we accommodate it by creating this accommodative style, which is to be willing to yield almost anything to not have to deal with a negotiation. I've seen people actually willingly not mention the price of the car rather than get into that whole subject. And so they either develop an accommodative style or they avoid it altogether and, and they may actually send somebody in to negotiate the car deal form. I've seen that as well. I bet you have too, <laughs> Mike, because you're the guy they send in. Yes. <laughs> and then and then there's the compromising style, which is to try to split the difference, which, you know, is before I came to Christ, before I under, really understood negotiation much, this was the style that I used quite a bit with my sales managers and whatever. I would try to get the customer to split the difference, you know, try to find an intermediate point somewhere where everybody could come to an agreement. But certainly the one that we really want to focus on this morning, and it just has to do with how you look at negotiations, and that's the collaborative style. And that's where you try to find, and it's really the golden rule. It's really where you try to find the maximum possible gain for both parties, where you explore, you know, what are the interests of the two different folks so that they can find out, you know, What is it that that you could possibly benefit from this negotiation process and how can they benefit? And you will find many, 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 many times if you use this collaborative style of negotiation, which I'm sure you learned from your uh, work there, Mike, that that collaborative style of negotiation is is a win-win situation. And that's what I've always called it, win-win negotiation. That's my style. And because, you know, the obviously – or maybe not obviously, but the car dealer has to make a living or he can't continue to service your car. And at the same time, you've got to get a good price or you can't afford it. You don't want to get ripped off. So now that we've gotten those styles out of the way, we're, you know, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some strategies. But also, we've got Jason with Ford. He's going to share some great new insight about your stresses about tr- holiday travel. How cool is that? That's coming up when you come back after these breaks. After these messages on the Christian Car Guy Show. You're listening to the Truth Network and truthnetwork.com.
this Memorial Day weekend on the Christian Car Guys show. We certainly do want to honor our fallen heroes. But also, how can we rise up fearless against our foes? Whether that may be another salesman that you're dealing with in negotiation or some other fear that you're dealing with. That's what we're talking about today on the Christian Car Guys show. We would love to hear about your conquering fear in some way. You call us 866-348-7884. How did you overcome that fear? 866-34-TRUTH if you're digitally gifted. We would love to hear how you do that. Now, as promised, you know, we know some people are stressing and they have fears over holiday getaways. You know, what are you what are what are surveys saying that people are worrying about this very weekend? It's 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 Memorial Day weekend. People go out there, they have some fears, but guess what? Ford has some answers and we got Jason Spraka here. He's a marketing manager for Ford Escape. Welcome Jason. Thanks for having us back, Robbie. We're really here to or really excited to be here to talk about uh, the all new Escape as well as uh you know, what people are thinking about as they head out on the roads for uh, their weekend getaways this summer. Yeah, it's kind of neat how the word escape goes with the weekend escape. You, you know, I'm just Yeah, saying. you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a coincidence. So you have the survey results. What are people stressing about? Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we really um, built the uh, all-new 2013 escape with uh, sort of the road trip mentality in mind. It's the perfect vehicle for getting out of town, and um, you know you can store all your gear and take some friends along, but you get great fuel economy along the way. So as we were talking about some of the different things we might do over the summer, we were like, well, what do, what do Americans think about before they head out on the roads on you know, uh, their summer getaways? And we know Memorial Day is the unofficial start to summer, so we conducted a poll with uh, Harris Interactive, to uh, just see what's on uh, Americans' minds. And what we found is a bunch of very interesting things, but maybe not unexpectedly, fuel economy is really on people's minds. The uh, rising cost of gas really uh, impacts people for those summer road trips. So um, with the all-new Escape, you get best-in-class fuel economy and you have the room for all your gear. So uh, it's a great product for those that uh, want to get out on the road this summer. Yeah, and and I was I looking at the survey results. I was really surprised about number two, which is certainly probably happening for many people right now as they're in their car. Don't you think? Yeah, no, certainly. You know, that's an interesting point. No one wants to um, go out, um, head out to, you know, maybe the beach or the mountains for a little camping trip, and be stuck in traffic. Uh, I think we can all agree that we universally fear the orange barrel on the highway and it's it's that time of year and people really don't want to sit in traffic um as they're heading heading out to um their various destinations you when you hop in the car you want to get there as fast as you can so people worry about traffic and you know some of the technologies on the new escape including our navigation system actually think ahead and hopefully try and alleviate some of those stresses of traffic and and that um, it's looking down the road and can find traffic accidents or construction zones, and your nav- navigation system can reroute you so you can uh, get to the destination in mind a little quicker. There you go. And the number three fear being other drivers. People are, yeah. <laughs> it's the other guy I'm a little bit worried about, sometimes seriously worried about. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, when you're out on the highway um, on weekends like this, people are in a little bigger hurry to get to their destination, and there's just flat out more people out there. So everyone's a little looking over their shoulder and uh, watching what everyone else is doing. Um, on, on the new escape, we have a system called Blind Spot Information System that helps you uh, protect yourself from vehicles that might be in your blind spot that you might have missed from uh, your uh, traditional mirrors. So this system has a little um, amber indicator in your outside uh, rear view mirrors that if there is a car in your blind spot, it actually illuminates the light just to alert you that there might be a vehicle that you can't see. So just a simple and intuitive piece of technology that we think uh, will make our customers a little safer on the roads. Yeah, and and then I found it fascinating. And I personally, when I'm on a long trip, and, and I can remember one time where I packed, went all the way to Colorado, would you believe this, Jason, and forgot the tent poles. So another another one of the things that people stress about is packing and unpacking the vehicle. And, of course, that's one place the escape really shows up. Yeah, you know, we're uh, excited about the cargo capacity on the new escape. Everyone wants to make sure they can bring all the stuff that they want. And actually, the new escape has more cargo capacity than the outgoing escape, which we know customers love. So, um it, it's all about having enough space to haul your gear, your friends, and, and their luggage. And, you know, it's, again, it's all about being, you know, the American way, of getting out on the road and seeing what all the great things our country has to offer. So um, with the Escape, you got room room to bring all the stuff you want. That's, that's so important. And we appreciate Ford coming on and letting us know about these these. Uh, strategies that you guys are doing to release stress in America and and continue to improve your products. It's a great thing to see. It's sort of the American way on Memorial Day. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate Thank you calling you. in. Thank you. Hope you and your listeners have a great Memorial Day. I hope you do too, Jason. God Thanks. bless you. All right. Well, what might you be stressing about? What might you be fearing about? We're talking about that today on the Christian Car Guy, specifically negotiation. And how do what are we some strategies that we're going to get to on how you can deal with that? We got Mike Westwood, our Christian oil guy, uh, and and somewhat our negotiating expert down there in San Antonio, helping us out with that this morning. Well, the strategies that I have there at my website, the first one is the "If I could, would you?" Um, it's a simple strategy. It's going to be used on you anytime you ever go into a car dealership because they're just trying to find out. It's almost like a trial close. They're trying to find out, are you really interested in this car? And so it's a, it's a simple thing to, to throw out there on the ride back on the test drive to just say, you know, if we could get this in your payment range, if we could get the price right on this car, would you buy it? And it simply is just the way to begin the negotiation process. You can use this, you know, on anything that you want to start negotiations. It's a simple, if if I could do this, would you do that? And I'm sure you're very familiar with that one as well, aren't you, Mike? I am. I I am, and it seems like it's taught everywhere in all ways. Yeah, it is. But the the idea behind it is, I am trying to get you to com- I'm trying to get you to commit without me committing. It's a fascinating strategy, and, and it's not necessarily a win win strategy, but it is a way to to, to perhaps turn back on somebody that's using it on you where they say, if I could get the price right on this car, you know, then would you buy it today kind of thing? 
then you could turn around and say, well, if I sign today, if you see why I'm saying if at the beginning of your statement, if I sign today, would you throw in a navigation system? You haven't committed, by the way. You just said if I would, you know, and and so that's the idea. And everybody's kind of dancing. And that's part of the way negotiation works is that everybody's trying to find a, a position to negotiate from. And the if I would statement is a way to go about doing that. And I really like that, Robbie, the responses for the customers, because the salesperson is asking you a yes-no question, whereas the customer is coming back by not directly answering it, but also giving the salesperson a yes-no question. Exactly. It's the same thing Jesus did. (laughs) He answered a question with a question many, many times. Um, So do not feel, because a, a salesman's, toolbox, so to speak. And I was a car salesman for a long time. My salesman's toolbox is his questions, his ability to ask questions. And there's all kinds of questions that he's going to use. Well, if by turning these questions back on him, it, it kind of gets you back to, or at least you're back on, on the uh, same playing field. So the next strategy we're going to talk about is called getting leverage. And this is where you try to discover what's important to the other party. And you can use that information to try to negotiate a win-win. And, and you'll hear a salesman use questions like, if I could get this, you know, it, I know you wanted to stay below 20000 but if I can get your payments under three hundred, would that work? In other words, they're saying, I may not be able to do this, but if I could do that, then would that work? You're, you're exploring new possibilities. Or I know you wanted to get the blue one, but if I could get another one, if I could get another $500 for your trade in, I know you want the blue car, but if I could get $500 more for your trade would you take the one I have in stock? You see, those are things that they may throw at you. Well, guess what? You can come back at them with a question similar to this. How long do you keep a used car in stock before you write it down? What does that mean? Well, all used car dealers that I've ever met in my entire life, they write down their used cars every 30, 60, 90 days. In other words, they're going to decrease the value because cars depreciate very quickly. And so by understanding that and telling the, the salesperson that you understand that they're going to write that car down if they don't sell it at the end of this 30 days and say, how long have you had this car? And when they tell you I've already had it 60 days, you realize it's been written down a couple times. It's fixing to be written down again. And you're exploring again where they may have a need. Their need is to turn this car before they have to write it down. Or in many cases, believe it or not, There are dealerships where if the used car manager keeps a car over 90 days, they write it down to zero, meaning that the used car manager is going to wholesale that car come whatever happens by the end of that period. So by you asking how long they've had the car in stock indicates to them that you're trying to find out what's important to them. The price that they get is obviously important to them. What's important to you is the price you get. Maybe it it, it could be that you need to come back at the end of the month in order to... um, to get some, have you experienced something like that, Mike? Uh, yes. And <laughs> I always say, find out the methodology that the dealership uses to show you the cars that they're writing down. The dealership I buy from moves them closer to the showroom, and the ones that are the uh, best price are sitting right outside the showroom door. They call them porch cars. <laughs> yeah, that's what they, many times you'll find the ones right up front. But the other thing, in states where they still do state inspections and they have a little sticker on that when they were state inspected, a lot of folks used to be very wise to the fact that you could tell by when the car was state inspected how long, you know, the car had been on stock in stock. So there's little hints along the way 
All those things are very important. Another thing that a, a, a customer could come back and ask to kind of go back towards, you know, what else might be important? And here's a question. Does your company have a volume quota or payment? In other words, a lot of new car, Toyota, Mazda, I assure you, Chrysler, GM, they have a volume that they're supposed to hit every month or every quarter. And sometimes when they hit that, they get a huge payment. It wasn't unusual for me at all as a Chrysler dealer to get $600 a car over a whole quarter if I hit my volume number. So they told me I had to sell 90 cars in 90 days. Then if you wanted to buy that 89th car, that 91st car, you were going to get a deal that was unbelievable. So by finding out that you're on that volume quota, you see if it's if it's $600 a car on 90 cars, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, well, I guess 54000 I remember 54, yeah, $54,000. I mean, there's huge amounts of money that are sitting on one or two car sales. And so by finding out if that is the volume quota car or how far away they are from a volume quota, you can really help the dealer get a massive amount of money and you can get an unbelievable deal. I've seen it many times. Are you familiar with that one, Mike? Uh, yes, and also if they don't hit that quota, they may not get as many cars the next quarter. Yeah, so all those things are, again, just simply <laughs> doing your doing a little bit of homework, asking a question. When they're asking you a question, try to come back and find out more information because that information could be extremely helpful. And so we get to this third strategy, which is an exp- exploration of what may be important to the other party to allow them to win beyond some sticking point. So, you know, I know you wanted to stay at $15,000 difference, but what if I could get you a 2% interest rate? Or how about a demo instead of that the new one? Or what about, you know, they may offer you any number of things. Again, you can simply come back and say, well, might you have an older one that's been in stock longer that you would give me a better deal on? Or do you have a low mileage used car in that particular situation? Again, it's coming back with a question. Now, let me show you how effective this is, Mike. If your kids come to you and they say, can I stay up another half an hour late? How easy would it be to say, well, I'll let you stay up another half an hour if you use 10 minutes of that time to clean up your room. Now, you would be amazed at how many times this effective, you know, you answering their question with a question. You're, you're giving them, if I could, would you? <laughs> and it, yeah. it, it works great with kids, just like it works great in any negotiation processes. Try to find something that you benefit from from their question. So I hope we've shared some strategies, but we still got to get to this whole fear thing, you know. And, as, and we do. We've, we've got to talk about how did Robbie get through this fear of the dark? Now, I'm going to retell the story just for a minute. Here we were. It was 1993. Very creepy house. Creepy house in Winston-Salem. I mean, you can picture the thing. It looked like, you know, Amityville Horror House. That's <laughs> and I'm in bed, and the, the thunder and lightning's going on. It's dark. My family's out of town, and I am absolutely six foot five, 240 pounds, terrified, laying there in bed saying, Jesus, please, 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 take this fear from me and he says to me Robbie what's the worst thing that could happen we're going to find out what I said and what Jesus how he actually used 1 John 4 18 on me to make all this go away when we come back on the Christian card my heart is like a stone and I'm 
Remind me who I am. Wow, how does 1 John 4.18 play out? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Well, how did that play out in the Christian car guy's life? There I was, six foot five, shaking in my bed, terrified. And I was trying to figure out I was a baby Christian, 1993. How do I give this fear to Christ? How do I give it to him? So I just asked him, I said, Lord, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I lay this at your feet? And he said, Robbie, what's the worst thing that could happen? That still small voice, you've ever heard it? That's the shepherd. He says, Robbie, what's the worst thing that could happen? And I said, well, Lord, somebody with a knife, it was a fear of torment, by the way. You know, they could be standing there, ah, you know, and I just pictured the whole exorcist, whatever scene. And Jesus says to me, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, Robbie, what would be so bad about that? Now, as my mind tried to crap, you know, to, to get around this idea of somebody stabbing me to death and what would be so bad about that, all of a sudden it occurred to me, I get to be with you, Lord. And, and because he was there in the situation, I could see the joy that that was. I get to be with you. How cool is that? What is there to be afraid of? Perfect love had driven out fear because there's no way that I'm going to be worried. Wait, what are you threatening me with heaven? <laughs> I mean, what are you thinking? Well, those who know my personal story know the following year I was diagnosed with a very fatal form of lymphoma. And I was told I only had a few weeks to live. But God had prepared me in this moment a year before with my fear of the dark to say, what are you threatening me with, heaven? <laughs> because you know what? God made you a warrior. He made me a warrior. And if you have a fear of death, you really it stops you from coming out and doing what you need to do, right? And, and, and it's been 20 years, and it took me a long time. But you know what? If I hear a, a, a noise in my house today, I actually can jump out and protect my family because I can be the warrior God called me to be because perfect love drives out fear. It's just one of those verses that I, that I cling on to. What has you afraid? How can perfect love drive out your fear? I know you've experienced something similar to that, haven't you, Mike? I have. I, you know, my, the crazy fear that I have, Robbie, is, is uh, uh, going on a trip. I, I dread, and I'm always up late the night before because I'm just so afraid to leave my house. Because I'm always afraid it's not going to be here when I come back. That may sound crazy, but so lights are on, radios are blaring while I'm gone. <laughs> I understand. But, but I'm always afraid of that. And that's I, that might be because I traveled so much in my life, you know, so I hate to, hate to leave. But I am going to come to Winston-Salem sometime. Oh, good. Just, and, and Just to see you. Well, I will look forward to that day very much, Mike. And again, I, I would encourage my listeners. Of course, you, you got to face your fears however you go about doing that. But in the midst of that fear, you can lay it at Jesus' feet and you can ask him. He's the shepherd. Listen for his voice. Lord, How? what is it that I can do to be rid of this? You see, he will help you cast out that fear. He will help you renew your mind because that way, you can throw the mask off just like Adam. He, had the, he was afraid in the garden. He was hid behind the, the fig leaf. Why? Because he had sin, right? And so he was, he was afraid of God showing up. But how do I cast off the fig leaf, whether that's a negotiation 
or whether that's just in talking to God, do you have fear with that? How do you cast off that? Believe me, if there's one verse in the Bible that I've, I've put down deep in my heart, it's perfect love drives out fear. So if I'm feeling afraid, if I'm feeling something, guess what I'm thinking? I need to give this fear to Jesus because perfect love will drive that fear away. And I know, Mike, recently you've had your bout with cancer and you've had a chance to experience that kind of fear firsthand as well, haven't you? Oh, I certainly I certainly have, and it was quite uh, quite tragic for me. I crumbled during that. I wasn't going to bring that part up. <laughs> but he did. He did. He drove out fear, and now he's on his way to to better health. Well, thank you for listening to the Christian Car Guy Show. As we always say, it's our listeners that make this show. Please, please, please honor our follow fallen heroes. Like Mike said, you know, go out and put something on somebody's grave. Make sure you feel the, I don't know how to put it, just what we owe these people for what they've given us, the freedom to express our religion that, that Blake's under fire a little bit for. But we thank you for Blake. Pray for him and that, that the Lord will provide him a new sponsor. I certainly want to thank my new producer, Alex. He's doing such a wonderful job on a very complicated show this morning. Mandel, our engineer. Remember that Jesus is labor love. Free car repair labor for single moms and widows. Go to ChristianCarGuy.com. You're listening to The Truth Network and TruthNetwork.com.